Welcome to Behind the Sport. Very special episode. It is our number five zero fiftieth episode. Who would have thought that starting something back in COVID uh, with some fantastic guests and uh, what do you say it was, Brent? A bit of a dumb idea at the time, but let's just get talking about motorsport. Yeah, something along, along those lines. Just a dumb reason to uh, jabber on as we do about the thing that turns us on the most. Well, you know, we didn't get to go down to the track for a while, so I think that's that's why we sort of went, you know what, let's catch up with everyone via... Uh, back then we started with Zoom, and my God, looking back at some of the episodes and what we talked about, should hang our heads in shame. But before we get to today's guest, let's go through our list of previous guests. First episode, we actually started off with Andy Melkin, local racer, and uh, DJ Labshire and John Coleman from the now defunct Drive Tribe joined us. Um, and in his own words, he made a complete tit of himself, uh, which the UK office laughed at him about. Second episode was young Antonio Astuti, uh, who was racing in the um, S5000s at the, well, was scheduled to be at the S5000s that year in the F1 Grand Prix. Uh, of course, that one was the one that got cancelled. John Lee from Racecraft Simulations was next. The absolute troublemaker, Adam Marjoram, was episode four. Jared McLean, local commentator, number five. Uh, Nick Perkat number, came in at number six for us, which was pretty cool. Uh, of course, did a bit of work with him up at Wanneroo Raceway with the Arise team, and um, he was nice to have a chat and, of course, uh, made his feelings about the flappy paddles well known in that episode. Uh, then we had young Madeline Stewart, who's coming back to Perth this week as part of the return of supercars. April Welsh, Joshua Fife, Laura Burns, who has joined, I believe, well, I believe she's joined it, the uh, FIA Girls on Track program as a champion in Perth. Um, the amazing Mr. Brad Jones was uh, our next guest. Uh, and, of course, that lovely story about the Jackie Chan trophy and his wife just off camera and the two of them bantering was just um, does stand out as one of the highlights of uh of, of the series so far i think that was one of yours too brent oh man that was that was just cool that's you know all the cool old war stories but just to see someone still so animated and and turned on 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 physically being involved it's yeah that was cool and of course his little um uh messy little story about how he told peter brock that uh the only time he's ever the fastest time he ever set around Mountain Panorama was actually as a passenger of Brad Jones. So that was a pretty funny story. And, of course, going to the opposite end of the age scale, we went down to young Luke Versma after that, or Versma, I should say. Um, the old uh, junior dragster turned uh, drifter. Ken Collier from ARG was next, talking about the Bathurst International event, which uh, I believe is going to actually happen this year, two years after we spoke about it. Um the then 16-year-old Chase Hoy, um, who was in the uh, saloon cars and now stepped up into uh, the Pro Series. Nick Scarcella from Phillip Island. Kyle Putland, Putland um, drag racing guru. Mark Sutton, Formula One photographer. Uh, we then had Stuart Horn and Joe Bedgick from Arise Racing. Ian Baker from World Time Attack, who gave us the inside scoop that they were going to go lights uh, lights on track for their next World Time Attack Challenge, which just happened recently. Tall Tony from the Hurricane Go-Kart Club. Uh, Tom Bowser, who actually won the King of the Hill event that year. Uh, the amazing Molly Taylor was our next guest. Um, had a great chat, of course, and you know, I think uh, Lithuania still stands out as the highlight of that episode. 
Um, Dean Herridge, rally legend, was next. Uh, Mike Young, winner of the um, Make Smoking History Forest Rally and many, many others, was next. We then went into some drifting with the Driftability event coming up. We had Jimmy Russo, followed by Jamie Worrell, then Cam Edwards, uh, former uh, race event director at Wanneroo Raceway. Ross Tapper um, has been around for many, many years, running various rally events in Perth, off-road and on-road, and, of course, the Targas. Uh, Jackie Russo next. Uh, Jordan Love. Um, Adam Marjoram then barged his way back into the studio for episode one of season two. Uh, and, of course, he kicked Tom Hamlet off uh, from his from his spot. Paul Trengove, uh, manager of Perth Motorplex, was on next, um, going through, and he's also the competitor and the CEO of the Australian Prototype Series. Uh, legendary du- Jeff Duckworth, who everywhere I go around Australia, someone knows Ducky. Um, and uh, without giving away our guest today, do you know Jeff Duckworth? I'm going to take that as a no. Yes, no. you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you're talking to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. Right. I finally found someone in motorsport that doesn't know Jack, Jeff Duckworth. Um, <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. It's just that it's, it's just interesting every go. Like, everyone knows Jeff Duckworth for some reason. Um, Mark Rossiter, who's the new motorsport and events manager up at the uh, WA Sporting Car Club slash Wannery Raceway. And, of course, he's got his history through... Uh, Abu Dhabi running the uh, F1 circuit up there uh, and all sorts of other stuff. Denver Parker, uh, Ian Board from the Junior Jagsters uh, came on board next. Uh, interviewed Brent Peters, of course. Uh, Charlotte Pointing uh, came on after that. Brock Foley, who has now competed in TA2 Over East officially. Um, Taylor Dicker, Madison Brown, Alex Newton, uh Former supercars driver Alex Rullo, uh, Grant Johnson, uh, former V8 Ute Series, plus some stints in supercars and Bathurst. Uh, of course, Charlie Bullis from Supercars itself as a digital content producer. And last week we had Brooke Newson. And, of course, our 49th guest was Gianni Luzzi. And our 50th guest, and been sitting there very patiently, Six and a half minute intro. Uh, we have the wonderful Jess Dane from Triple Eight Racing. Thank you very much for joining us on our fiftieth episode. I'm honoured. Big <laughs> <laughs> five zero. God, I don't know if I if I'll even live to that age. So I'll just roll with being the fiftieth guest, and that's that's my fifty. <laughs> now, thank you for sitting through that long intro. I did. I did sort of warn you before it was going to be a bit of a long one. No, it's um, good to hear all the names, all my, all the people who've come before me, who I have to try and be better than. Not that I'm competitive or anything. No, no. Um, I would imagine that you are not competitive <laughs> whatsoever. Um, being in motorsport, studying law. Um, what else do you do? You do a heap of stuff. You've commentary. Um, yeah, sometimes I lose track um, between <laughs> between triple eight race engineering, the law degree, which is almost finished, um, almost there. Um, the FIA girls on track, uh, sorry, FIA yes. women in the most sport commission, girls on track ambassador, um, rally championship, host that. Um, yeah, I think there's more. I just forget. <laughs> yep. 
just just look at the calendar and make sure you're there that's pretty much how I, you're I was literally just saying before this i have a whirlwind trip coming up in just under a month's time and I, everyone because it's the first time back in europe for obviously you know since before covid and everybody wants me to be everywhere and i just fired off a text to my friend whose wedding i'm a bridesmaid at saying please just get me a pa and i'll like <laughs> if you can get me a pa then i'll be there because right now i don't know where i am on what day <laughs> Yeah, every look every time we um we sort of obviously you know pop up on our instagram feed and that and you know you're doing something different you know not not just the one thing and it's um pretty cool to see uh and especially um so we we kind of we crossed paths i wouldn't say we we met because we didn't actually shake hands or bump elbows as it would have been back then uh in sydney at the may round of the Sh- shannon's motorsport australia championship aka smack um <laughs> and it was for the fia girls on track program which was being held there that day yeah and um and what i found was really cool was just like watching the interactions um not only between yourselves and the young girls but like between the ambassadors um and the um now who will now be called the champions of the program um, getting involved and you know really spending all that time and, and especially yourself and Molly that day you know you guys are racing around on air and doing doing everything as you would do in your normal life and you know to come up and spend some time up there was pretty cool yeah I um, remember that day it was a little bit chaotic between Molly and I we were trying to work out what 20 minute gap that we each had in between our live <laughs> sessions that we could go and do the girls on track stuff and tick all those boxes as well as making sure that we didn't miss a live cross <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but we will get to that program a bit later. Um, what we're going to basically, um, yeah, as as we've mentioned, we've sort of got a, a usual way of doing things, um, and you know, we get get to know, um, you know, hopefully some things that um, you know people don't know about you, um, or maybe um, yeah, some some things that might, uh, yeah, it's find out your interesting story of of motorsport so yeah wonder what i've got up my sleeve (laughs) (laughs) number one question we always start with is how did you get the motorsport bug uh well i was born into motorsport as many people are because it's such a family sport but um i wouldn't say i caught the bug until i was 17 when um went to my first supercars race which was in bahrain and uh, i was living in the uk at the time my sister and I flew out to Bahrain to meet my dad because it's quite a nice meeting point back when we used to race in the Middle East. And um, yeah, that was my first in-person motorsport event for a fair number of years because when my father, Roland Dane, moved to Australia, I fell out. I kind of lost touch with motorsport because it wasn't something that my mum did or followed. Um, so I dropped off it a, a bit went to my first supercars race in Bahrain and just loved it. Fell, fell in love with the sport, the people, the atmosphere. Not that there was even much atmosphere in Bahrain because, you know, we were lucky if we got two blokes and a dog in the stands. But um, just being around, being in that team environment and seeing everybody work towards a common goal, it's with a new understanding because I hadn't been to a from a team perspective, I hadn't been to a most sport event for, for many years. Um, I It really ticked a box for me and I loved it. Loved the cars, loved the sound, the smell. Um, just my favourite place to be. 
the, the smell of motorsport is something that's very unique and it's very different between all the all the categories as well um you know a few weeks ago we were at the top fueler championships in western australia and you know that the, the as much as it burns your throat and hurts your eyes and everything, like you still want to stand right next to that top fueler, you know, <laughs> to, to get some footage or a photo or even just to stand there and lap it up. And your ears um, are ringing for the next week. Yeah. <laughs> I, still, I still think I've got partial deafness and, mm. you know, had the earplugs in. And oh, the everyone in motorsport is partially deaf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Some call it selective hearing. Yes, that's that's a definite um, good trait to have sometimes, perhaps. <laughs> um, and to be honest, I haven't been to a supercars event since I was a teenager. Actually, probably even a, a lot longer than that. Probably, I think my last supercars event was actually probably back when Peter Brock was still racing. So, um, yeah, that's a while. And that's just purely because I've been busy and haven't had a chance to you know, get there. Um, so I'm actually really looking forward to this weekend to find out what supercar smells like. Uh, <laughs> and it, could you put it like a description on the smell of it? Like, is it, you um, know? I'd struggle. Like E85 uh, fuel has a, has a fairly unique smell compared to a lot of other race fuels. But um, no, I don't know if I'd be able to describe it. I'm so used to it as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, to me, it smells. It to me, it smells like. Um, it smells like the excitement of going racing, because yeah. when we're in the workshop, our workshop is two stories. Um, bottom floor is the is the workshop. Top floor is the office, and when we fire up the engines before we load the cars into the truck, you know, we do run up at the workshop to make sure everything's working correctly. Um, we're not going to get any nasty surprises when we unload at the other end. And um, yeah, that that smell that wafts up the stairs, despite our best exhaust um, systems in place. Uh, yeah, that that smells like the excitement of going racing to me, especially <laughs> at the start of the season when you're firing up for your first test day. That's like, yep. oh yeah, new season ahead, bring it on. <laughs> um, now back back to your um, your. Um, catching that motorsport bug in that did you go yeah i want to go racing did you go i just want to work on the cars um i just want to be involved somehow like did you have a sort of idea of what you wanted to do no idea i still don't know what i want to do um but the i think the the main thing that got me was I just love being around it. I love the people um, and a lot of the people. Who, it's amazing how many people who I met in 2007 with Triple Eight are still either with the team or involved with the team today. Um, so that's, you know, that that's a long, it's a long old stint. Um, and I think that's testament to the team that we've built over the years. But that, um, I, I just couldn't wait to, to get involved. So that was when I was, yeah, I just turned 17. And then my gap year after school before university was when I had just turned 18, moved to Australia and um, started work at Triple Eight as a mechanic, which I thought was an awesome place to start. My dad thought that he was throwing me in the deep end and, um, and thought that I was going to be out of my comfort zone because he... Um, you know, he thought I was a cocky teenager, um, yeah. but it was what I wanted to do. And I hadn't kind of known the right way to ask him um, yeah. if that's what I could do. And usually you also don't really ask. You just get told <laughs> with him. <laughs> so <laughs> when he said that that was his idea, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm, yeah, I can't wait. Love to do that. 
um, yeah. much to his surprise. And when I started, actually, people said, oh, how's it? What's it like having dirt under your fingernails for the first time? And I was like, are you kidding? I grew up on farms. Like I've done horses my entire life. This is the first time I don't have some form of feces underneath my fingernails. <laughs> you can call it car feces if you want, you know, like <laughs> if, if it sort of keeps you, you know, in the, you know, keeping in that track of, uh, you know, thought processes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. It can, we can just stay as a wheel. Yeah, we can just stay as a wheel. Okay. No worries. <laughs> um, when you first uh, went um, and, you know, said you wanted to get involved with racing, um, was it a, yes, my daughter wants to get involved with racing or was it a, I don't want her near my race team? Like, Yeah, it, he's never really, my father has never really encouraged me to get into the sport. He's never, he's never stopped me, but it's yeah. certainly not, um, he certainly never encouraged me to follow it. There, there have been many times when he's, when we've had conversations about going and doing other things and it wasn't until, so 2015, I I left the team. Um, I'd been working as media manager for a few years and I left the team to go and work in TV production. And that was, I put an awful lot of pressure on myself to say, I, I need to go out and do something else and I can't just work for my dad. Not just work for my dad, but I didn't want people thinking that I was yeah. resting on my laurels and taking the easy road. Um, so I went and worked in TV production for six months or so and um, and I was miserable. And I think that 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 going off and doing something else, I learned so much about myself. Um, and, but also it was the perfect reminder for me and him that that was where that most sport was where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And, um, and I'm glad I ticked that box because otherwise it might be something that's forever in, in the back of my head. But no, I, I went and found that out for myself and most sport is definitely where I want to be and what I want to do. But, um, I think my, Dad has always been very conscious of it looking like I'm taking the easy road, even though he knows I'm not, but it's all that yeah. outside perception stuff. And um, to be honest, he's, yeah, ne never particularly encouraged me, but never never stopped me from following yeah. it either. The um, I, I do actually remember uh, um, at the Girls on Track event in May um, that there was a rather... I don't know how to describe him politely, but there was a rather pig-headed guy that was in that room that day who um, made a bit of a comment that day about it was um, about you only got into motorsport because of, I think his words were because of daddy. And um, uh, and I, I thought you really handled that really well because I wanted to punch him in the head. So. I don't remember that. <laughs> Mind you, I get, you know, it's not the first time I've heard those yeah. comments. So, um, yeah. I do, I, when, he, when he said it, I was just like, really, dude? Like, you're at a Girls on Track event, like, supposed to be encouraging your daughter to, you know, if this is what she wants to do, like, let her do it. And here you're going, oh, like, you know, asking one of the ambassadors, like, this stupid question. And, and I think you just sort of sort of brushed it aside, but at the same time, you, the, the answer you gave back was like, well, no, um, no, he didn't. You know, like, yeah. I wanted to do this. So, um, yeah. But also, yeah. what, like, what would my, I always think, would that, would somebody ask that question or a similar question to a male? Correct. And they wouldn't. Probably not. Has anyone ever asked? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to throw any names out there. I'm not going to put anyone yeah. else because <laughs> I don't know whether they've experienced that or not. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, I I always wonder questions like that. Would you ask the same thing of a bloke? Yeah. 
And that's that's something like I mean, with this podcast, and I, I won't throw Brent under the bus and dob him in for what happened, but he did ask someone a question that I wasn't very happy about um, because you know, obviously, we try. Yeah, we we made this podcast as something that's it's not about gossip. It's not about um, you know, we're not out here to do the gossipy thing. There's enough websites, enough podcasts, enough stuff out there that people do all that sort of stuff. And um, and as punishment, I've made him ask the dude on our next episode the same question. Um, <laughs> and and Brent did say, you know, it wasn't meant to be, um, you know, the question he asked wasn't meant to be a personal question as such. It was, you know, to see how that particular guest fit in everything um, around the relationship. Um, but I just went, no, we're not, we're not doing that on this podcast. And um, because I really don't care at the end of the day, like, I want to know about the racing and the, the yeah. motorsport and the backstories and the cool stuff, you know, not the, not the other stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so what um, TV production did you go into in that little gap, that little break away from the, the team? Um, I was working at a post-production house that had established a production arm. So post-production being, you know, we we did the edits for things like Pirates of the Caribbean, The Shallows. This was all oh, wow. while I was there. Um, and, yeah, a, a lot of other stuff. Everything from um, advert ads that you see on TV every day through to, you know, blockbusters like Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but then we set up, or well, the company had set up a production arm um to handle the the filming of a lot of kind of lower budget production content that their clients wanted the likes of um you know the main the main stream brands that you see advertised on tv they wanted to do lower budget digital content and that was why we were created to to do everything from the lower budget digital content through to creating um a, a TV commercial that would run um, run during the morning shows. Um, but yeah, it, that was, so my job was um, production coordinator and very similar to like team coordinator, but not as much fun because there are no cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you came back into the team, what, what role did you, um, what role were you able to come back to? I came back as team coordinator actually because our and that was one of the things that that I was hesitant about because when I was working in production and wanted to come back into motorsport was because I didn't think that there was I couldn't see a role for me um and then our team coordinator who was an absolute gun um she had to leave for um for medical reasons she had a back injury which prevented her from you know going to racetracks and sitting on planes and all the stuff that's involved in going racing um so yeah she was forced to um to unfortunately step back from that job so i took over that having always said before then that i would not be team coordinator because you have to be basically team mum and um yeah yeah, everyone (laughs) people are a little bit wary about me being team mum because i'm not maternal and (laughs) not very not great at looking after people in that way i'm very good at looking after people in terms of making sure that they're that they're happy and, um, you know, really enjoying working where they are and feeling fulfilled and challenged in the right ways, but not so good at looking after people when um, somebody misses a flight because I want to call them an idiot and hang up. But you're not allowed to do those. (laughs) So that was a challenge. I only did that for a year. (laughs) Um, That was a challenge for me as, um, you know, learning, learning to 
um, work on different parts of my personality that I wouldn't usually have, um, you know, <laughs> wanted to work on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> many, many, many people that I've worked for before have uh, tried to steer me in that direction of being nicer to people, you know, when they do silly things. And in the end, I just went, you know what, I'm just going to go work for myself. And yeah. then I can just, you know, tell, <laughs> if I can tell people if I don't, I'm not happy, I'll just tell them. I yeah, don't have to worry. Yeah. <laughs> then, I, um, then I moved into commercial. So looking after sponsors and, you know, kind of partnerships, exec role. So, um, yeah, luckily the, the team was relieved of my team coordinator duties after a year. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great learning experience. I've always maintained that I'll do anything in the team that I, that I can get my hands on that I'm allowed to do because um, it's the more I can learn about every aspect of our business, the better. Yeah. Um, have you ever wanted to become one of the team drivers? Um, no. <laughs> I think there are people who are very qualified for do, to do that and there are people who are not <laughs> I fall into the not bucket because not to say like if I'd if I'd had the opportunity when I was younger like if I'd grown up karting or because I don't I don't have fear I'm not very good with um with with risk assessment and stuff I'm one of those people who just goes and does I like heights don't scare me speed doesn't scare me that kind of thing so um I actually would have loved it in hindsight if my dad had got me karting when I was a kid or something, but it never even, I grew up riding quad bikes, but it never yeah. occurred to him to put me or my sister in a cart or, or see if we enjoyed motorsport or anything. <laughs> have you um, driven any of the supercars? No, no. I, really? um, well, it doesn't really, I mean, they're, you know, they're worth half a million dollars each. Yeah. <laughs> Don't really let anyone drive them. <laughs> I know you guys like what's Carlos Sainz jumped in one the other the other week, you know. No, we had Perez in ours. And, oh, yeah, that's right, um, Perez. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, Fernando Alonso drove Thomas Randall's car. Yeah. I mean, that was brave of Thomas Randall to get in alongside him. We would not have put Brock in the car with Perez. <laughs> Perez yeah. did a great job, but um, yeah, when when the driver asks what the gear stick is, you know you don't want to put your. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the video of um, Mick Schumacher driving the old 7-Up F1 car way back, and he had, um, oh, what's his name, helping him. And it, and it had the little, you know, like the old Formula cars and Formula Ford still have the little doughy gear lever on the, on the side there. Mm. He had no idea what to do with it. <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, the first time Max Verstappen ever saw one of our cars, he asked what the third pedal was for. <laughs> You've never seen a clutch. <laughs> These guys have been into formula cars straight out of carts, never been in a in a uh, production based car at all. So yeah, yeah. I mean, none of their supercars are a production based car anymore, but it's it's still built around the same style and the, you know, it's relatable. Um, yeah. Unless you've never seen one. Yeah. That's yeah. No, funny. those kids are of a different era. Hmm. I don't. I don't remember that uh, comment about um, Perez being public. So, um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um, now, where were we? Yes, we're talking about you. That's right. Um, so, so in your role now, obviously, you're looking after, still looking after sponsors and everything. No, no, I don't anymore. Okay. I kind of. It wasn't. It wasn't official. It just gravitated away from me because 
um, sponsors need looking after every day. And I wasn't in triple eight every day. I was, <laughs> I was everywhere <laughs> else. I was doing, it kind of happened the first half of last year. So we've got a fabulous partnerships executive um, called Cyan and she, it, it was a natural move of my duties with sponsors over to her we didn't even there was no official handover um she just kind of absorbed it because when a partner needs something organized within a 24-hour window and i'm off in a rally sorry off in a forest hosting a rally broadcast i can't get back to that partner so um the this time last year when i was working at triple eight hosting rally working on the arg um broadcasts working in a law firm, um, also trying to get to uni, there was just too much going on for me to give all of my time to one thing. So, um, yeah, Cyan, bless her, jumped in and picked up that slack and, um, and has run with it. So what are you, what are you doing day to day now with, um, triple eight? Yeah. Good question. Um, <laughs> every, every day looks different at the moment or, you know, every day looks different all the time um like today is a good example i started off i started off the morning by um doing a staff induction we had a new machinist start so worked through did his contract his induction all of that on the hr side of things um and then uh, did suit artwork had to for our um for darwin so the darwin round is an indigenous round so did the did the suit artwork for that made some adjustments and sent it off to omp to get um adjusted um in the afternoon i had um main game pre-brief so we in a standard pre-event um briefing where we go through strategies and um strategies and setups and all that kind of thing so i was in on that um did a couple of uh, spot. We did one employment contract, one sponsorship contract. Um, worked through a lot of HR stuff. Yeah, whole whole heap of stuff. I realised that was probably really boring for everyone to listen to, but that's all the stuff I can possibly cram into my day. The variety. <laughs> um, do you have much day to day? I say day to when I say day to day. You know, I'm not talking you know each day, but. You know, in general, you know, do, do you do a lot of work with drivers or have they got their own sort of management team that looks after them? They're both fairly easygoing. Like they really the people who have the most communication with the drivers outside of their engineers is the commercial team who organize the sponsor appearances and the media commitments. So they would talk to the drivers the most and do the most organization of their lives, but really the drivers both look after themselves. Neither of them has a PA, you know, you'd be worried if a 19 year old had a PA to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Brock just says yes to everything because he's, <laughs> he's young and keen and ambitious <laughs> and it's, he's been a, he's been a breath of fresh air to the team. Um, and then Shane just lives and breathes motorsport. So he's, you know, if he's not at a track or he's not, driving something or testing something or whatever, you can pretty much guarantee he'll be around and available for whatever we need him for. Um, 
Uh, we did did mention before we uh, started recording. I did meet Brock yesterday uh, up at Wanneroo, getting some laps because uh, he's never been to Wanneroo before, as he told me. Um, so he's getting some laps and was getting him uh, getting driver instruction from. Uh, I like to call him the driver whisperer, um, BD Cedar Dawson, because um, he's always like every time I see something from BD, he's always working with someone, you know, supercars level below, young Carters. Just seems that he goes with everyone, but <laughs> um, and yeah, found, found Brock very easy going. But I, in one of our episodes, someone actually said to us that um, Shane, Shane, if he could get away with one-word answers, he would always just give a one-word answer. Did Charlie you... say that by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> well, you 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 dogged her in yourself, so yes, Charlie did say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I feel Charlie's pain. The first ever interview that Charlie did with Shane, Shane was, well, for, you know, firstly, it was Charlie's literally Charlie's first day on the job. And secondly, yeah. Shane had just broken his collarbone and was miserable. And to be <laughs> honest, it fell on fell on the commercial department for letting it happen. We shouldn't have let the interview happen. We should have put either of those two portraits <laughs> in that situation. And um, yeah, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, it wasn't Charlie's favorite interview ever. And um, yeah, I had to apologize profusely and then get Shane to apologize as well. But everyone's good now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. She did say she has a good, um, good relationship if, with him. The thing is, if you ask, if you ask Shane the right questions, he'll talk for days. Um, yeah. It's just finding the things that get him to, to tick. Um, if you ask him about what it's like to race something, or yeah, it's it's a very specific. He he just loves talking racing, and as soon as you yeah. try and deviate from that, um, then he doesn't know how to answer. Uh, Brent, I hope you're taking notes so that when we finally get Shane on the podcast, you can uh, remind yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll just, I'll just hit him up every about... podcast he's ever been asked to do, so... Um, I mean, I'll probably just hit him up about drinking uh, uh, dodgy, cheap tequila from Hip Flasks at a uh, awards dinner in New Zealand. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like something he would do. Yeah. It was pretty quiet yeah. up until that started, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um how did you get involved with the uh, broad in terms of the broadcasting side of things like doing the commentating and getting yourself strapped into a rally car to, um, uh... i hadn't so i did a bit of hosting and broadcasting while i was at university in the uk studying journalism and i was just working working for whoever i could and you know standard student journalist just trying to build up my portfolio um and one day thought that i might be a sky sports presenter or something like that um but then realized that i'm not very good in front of the camera or at least i wasn't then <laughs> it's much better behind the camera producing than i was standing in front of it trying to remember what to say so i used to not be very good at, art, at listening to the answers i would ask a question and be so intent on thinking of the next question that i wouldn't listen to the answer um, and that's not the makings of a good interview um, so yeah, I hadn't done it for a very long time. And then <laughs> out of the blue in 2020, got a call from Gary Rogers. Um, yep. and he's, <laughs> I was like, hello, <laughs> how can I help you? <laughs> who, um, who of course is involved with, uh, ARG. Yep. He said, we're putting together the, uh, presenter lineup and we need, we're looking for another female to join. And I thought you were perfect because, um, you know, 
plenty of motorsport, plenty about motorsport. You can tell the difference between the front and rear end of the cars. You can talk, most of pit lane knows you in most categories um, and you know them and uh, you have a good accent. So that was how that happened. <laughs> and, um, and from that, so that never happened in 2020. Um, yeah. Just, you know, COVID just changed, kept, you know, border. It was more the border closures that, yeah. that screwed us over than actual COVID. That was when we were still terrified of it. Um, but then at the end of the year, I got a call asking if I would host the, uh, the single round of the rally championship. We called it the rally cup that was taking place in Canberra that year because they figured it would be good practice um, for doing ARG, but that was actually through Motorsport Australia um, who looks after the rally championship kind of single-handedly. And, um, and, I was, and I said on the phone to Paul, who's the um, he's head of media and comms at Motorsport Australia, I, was like, I said, maybe you should get someone who actually knows about rally. <laughs> he was like, yeah, we considered that, but we think you'll be fine. I was like, <laughs> right. I, I know nothing. I know nothing about rally. Um, but, you know, I always say yes to stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's and so you go. ended up on your show. <laughs> I, was like, I promise I will work my ass off to learn as much about rally as I possibly can in a short space of time. Um, and did that, like spoke to everyone who would take my calls or, or meet with me. And, um, yeah, I went to Canberra hosted it oh, and the reason that they needed me was because our good friend dean herridge was um <laughs> locked in the wa prison so yes. um i was there te and texting and calling dean you know every few hours saying well give me some what what do i say what's this give me some insight into that and he was wonderful um because he couldn't get there and yeah did my first rally at the end of 2020 and absolutely loved it completely fell in love with the sport and um yeah, my first ever in my first ever rally broadcast, I had to do a 27 minute live stream on my own. The first time that we'd ever done anything like that in rally as well, in the middle of a forest with no reception, um, yeah. which was really hard. <laughs> so I remember getting about I got about 90 seconds through the intro and went, I just want to stop. <laughs> I just want to give up. But you can't do that. I still had like 25 and a half minutes to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did uh, some work with Dean at the um, Forest Rally over here. Um, he was our on-camera presenter, interviewer, and voiceover guy. Uh, so we had him, um, yeah, basically racing between. Uh, and he was also managing a team that year as well. So <laughs> Yeah, he um, juggles a fair bit too. <laughs> yeah, so he, he um, uh, basically like would we'd be doing stuff with the team. I'd send him a message. He'd race over to the hotel where I was based, um, do the voiceover for the footage I'd compiled. He'd then take off again. And then a bit later on, oh, we've got to do a live piece on camera. So, and yeah, but um, yeah, really good, really good to work with Dean. Really just no matter what, we, what I threw at him to do, um, like stand in that closet so the audio is better. You know, stand in the stand in the bathroom. We need some more echo on the audio. You know, like so. <laughs> yep, no worries. In we go. So. <laughs> yeah, I loved working with him, and I'm so glad that we can host the championship together now because I think the dynamic between us works very well too. The fact that he's such a guru, and um, and I'm still, although I've kind of absorbed the sport um, pretty quickly um, because I love it. 
it's yeah. it's still good having the person who knows less and who can talk in more layman's terms and the person who can delve into the differences between um you know sprint round endurance round and when the surface is you know bony versus um bear, like ball bearing surface it's yeah yeah it's interesting i think commentating teams always work well when there's that dynamic it's you know you can have two guru, you know, two people that know absolutely everything, but my God, the commentary is so boring. Yeah. Um, and then you have two, I guess, commentators that, you know, very excited about what's going on and it's like, well, there's no substance to it. So the perfect so. balance is a, is a caller and an expert. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's, what's been one of your highlights with the triple eight team so far? Oh, there's um, there's three probably. So um, it's really special being on the wall at Bathurst in 2008 when we got the three-peat. And even though back then I will admit that the gravity and the magnitude of Bathurst, I didn't entirely have that within my grasp, um, It I knew it was special. And that was really cool to to be on the wall for that and see especially what it meant to my dad. Um, and then Newcastle 2017, when we won the championship on the last lap of the last race, um, that's the kind of stuff that it doesn't matter if you're not a motorsport fan, that's the stuff that they make movies about because it just yeah. doesn't happen. And it does, like, regardless of who you support of of whether you like motorsport or not, that the whole story, the whole way that played out, it couldn't be scripted. Um, and then Bathurst 2020, actually, because it had been such a tumultuous year and nobody really wants to remember winning Bathurst in front of zero crowd, but mm. it was, and that's not the way you want to do it, of course, but that was, that was a highlight for a weird reason. It was because... You know, we hadn't we hadn't won the championship, but we were. In fact, we probably had our worst results in the championship ever because um, we came second and fourth or something. Um, but that was which is bad for us because Jamie DNF'd. But the it, just absorbing everything that the championship had overcome that year and acknowledging the commitment and the sacrifices of the Melbourne teams to make it happen, it was enormous. And so to to win that, it was one of those moments where I feel like I wish we could have shared that podium with everyone who had given up something to make that championship happen this year, that year. Yeah. I mean, the, um, yeah, the first time we managed to get back over East, it was, it was just as lovely to, you know, get soaking that atmosphere of having people you know, everyone back together in motorsport. Mm. And, you know, this year obviously is the first time the um, supercars are back in Perth. Um, and, you know, when, when this episode goes live, it'll actually be Saturday morning of, uh, of the, well, it'll be technically the second day, um, first day for crowds to be back uh, in Perth at Wanneroo. Um and like have you guys been like really hanging out to come back because i know talking with you know like nick perkat for example when he was on um and other drivers that have raced uh on the perth circuit all 
have a special moment, like special memories of it in terms of it being a tough track, having special setups that they have just for Perth. Um, obviously on the old surface, the tire degradation, which everyone still talks about. Um, and obviously only been seven, seven turns as well. Um, so is this something like you, you are looking forward to, to come back to Perth to, you know, have that different circuit back on the calendar and, you know, the fans, obviously the fans are, I think they've been chomping at the bit as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I haven't been over to Perth since 2018, actually, um, because I didn't come over in, I didn't come over for the race in 2019. But um, I always feel like because we, it, it always feels one like one of those places similar to Darwin, where it feels like whole town is, is invested in it in some way, is excited for us to be there. And the track itself is really cool. It's, it's so difficult. Um, it's really tricky to get right. We've got, we've had a fair bit of success there, although we haven't won there since 2016. But um, this year is going to be a really interesting challenge because last time we went there in 2019, it had just been resurfaced. So that was almost a clean slate. Having had so many years on that cheese grater surface <laughs> to then have a resurfaced um Barbagallo was a completely different ball game to the point where we're even getting um, some blistering on the tires in in night races. Um, if it had been daytime, then it would you know we'd have been we'd have been in a world of hurt, or everyone would have been in a world of hurt. Um, and then to for motorsport to have continued on that while we haven't been there, um, it's going to be interesting to to see how the track has evolved and what that means for us in terms of setup because that data from 2019 is going to be nigh on useless um the, the deg that we get per lap is going to be um it's going to be worse than it was in 2019 but hopefully it's going to be a lot better than it was in 2018 but taking that stab in the dark at what that deg is going to be makes strategizing quite hard but yeah, really excited to get back. Um, I think the crowds are capped, which is a shame. But um, yeah, it's actually one of my favorite places. During practice sessions, um, I always try and head out to somewhere around the place where I can see the cars actually going around on track with my own eyes rather than watching it through a TV. Because even now, like I still get really excited <laughs> by just seeing cars go fast with my own eyes rather than on TV. And Perth is a really cool place to do that as you watch them kind of speeding up, coming around through turn one and then speeding up through the hill um, and then coming back down the hill. Up. Yeah, it's a cool place to to go and do that. And you can just go and stand at the back of the um, paddock and do that. Yeah. Um, watching through the fence. But um, yeah, definitely excited to head back there. I used to have a, one of my best friends from home lived in Perth, but she recently um, got, um, her, they wouldn't renew her visa. So unfortunately oh. she's back in the UK. So that's one thing I'm sad about, but otherwise... Uh, yeah, Barbagallo is um, it's a fun little fun little pocket rocket of a circuit. <laughs> so interesting. The gov our state government is actually lifting all caps and restrictions Friday night. Ooh! But I think that's probably going to be too late for. Uh, In terms of like um, spectator numbers. Yeah, yeah, they're removing all venue Ooh. caps. Are they getting rid of masks too? Masks gone. Blimey! Oh my 
my God, you guys are catching up with the rest of the country. <laughs> Masks are going. Um, yeah. going? There's, there's, uh... Is this confirmed or is this rumoured? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, this, this was just rele- just announced just before we jumped on to record this podcast. So. Oh, yeah, I, I know lots of people would be very happy about that. that. Um, it's amazing what happens when the Premier gets COVID. <laughs> <laughs> They're even scrapping the vaccination stuff, proof of entry into public venues and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, the GDG is no longer needed after Friday. Wow. That's a big call. Yeah. Golly, yeah. they've gone from zero to 100 real quick. Yeah. it's. Um, I think after the flip-flopping they did back in February, they realised they stuffed up and oh. election time's coming up and, yeah. That was um, disgraceful, what yeah. happened back in February. Just to, you know, turn the conversation political. But. <laughs> yeah, it, upset, it upset a lot of people. It upset a lot of our family plans. And, yeah, I think like Shane said, he, he lost a lot of favour over that one because yeah. it was, yeah, a lot of people were caught in limbo with house changes and that. But anyway, back to motorsport. We're not a political show. <laughs> I think motorsport into that. I, um, it, it worked out when the borders, it, it threw our plans into disarray because um, when Shane did the um, National Capital Rally in Canberra, the car was supposed to be coming over for um, yep. for the launch based on the border opening date because the team, Race Talk, is based in WA. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, that was, that was a fun announcement for us to try and work out, okay, how the <laughs> hell do we make this entire activation happen if um, the car the car can come out, but the people can't get back in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah. We, we, I don't like back then. You know, we we're planning. Well, you know, see the behind the sports stuff and that. You know, we we're planning to come over east and um, attend. A, uh, I think it was uh, Shannon's round um, back in March, uh, Phillip Island in March. Um, but it was just yeah, we we couldn't take the risk after the flip flop. You know that the border was actually going to come down and. You know, it did throw a lot of plans in a ra- into a ray. Yeah, but um, I'll Chaos never forget. Was just absurd. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget last year after the border first came down the first time, um, before going back up to the hard one again. Um, I managed to sneak out. Obviously, that Shannon's around in Sydney, um, and having met Nick in, uh, Nick Perkett in two thousand and nineteen. Uh, 2019, he was there. Yeah, 2019, he was over here, um, doing some racing F1000, and I met him through that, and then the driver program that he got involved with, and wasn't expecting, you know, like a hey mate, how you doing or anything like that. Um, but what I wasn't expecting for him to say was, oh, why they let you lot out again? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Good to see you too. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's, but anyway, um, oh, where were we before we went down the political path? Yeah, before we got sidetracked by WA anger. Yeah, um, just talking yeah. about dude, coming back to Barbara Gallo. That's right, coming back, coming back. So you know we're not called Barbara Gallo anymore. Oh no, no. Yeah, see, so, so they. Um, oh, so, it's Wanneroo Raceway. It's one of the races. Yeah, no. So Barbara Gallo uh, sponsorship is gone. 
Ah, is that um, like, is it going to be like um, Clipsal, where everyone still called it Clipsal, even though Clipsal yeah, got sponsoring it? Yeah, yeah, even though like, everyone local still calls it that. And you know, to be honest, I never really knew what Clipsal was. <laughs> 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 it never really occurred to me that it was actually a product. That's the yeah, epitome of over efficient sponsorship. Yeah, it becomes so ingrained in the event that people lose the connection to what the product actually is. Yeah. It helped all the sparkies out trying to upsell everyone on the houses. Do you want the 5,000 or the 6,000 Clipsell series switches? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, when I used to go to Wanneroo, when I was grew up uh, with Wanneroo Raceway, it was always Wanneroo Raceway to me. So it was funny when I started going back to Wanneroo and everyone's calling it Barbagallon. I'm like, what? What's mm. Barbagallo? You know, the raceway up in Wanneroo. Oh, you mean Wanneroo Raceway? No, nah, it's Barbagallo. Ah. And now everyone's so used to, yeah, that was just me because I grew up with it as Wanneroo. Yeah. Um, well, it's like um, Eastern Creek, Sydney Motorsport Park. Yeah. Or Indy and Gold Coast. Yep. Yep. Even even now, people still say, oh, yeah, I went to Indy like a couple of years ago. Well, you didn't. You went to the Gold Coast 500 or the Gold Coast 600. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what are you guys? What are you guys hoping for? I'm going to say to like, obviously, you know, this is going to air on Saturday. What are you guys hoping for out of this round? To win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So on the supercar side of things, obviously, you know, it'd be nice if Shane got his first ever win there. Um, yep. he's, he, yeah, he's never won there. Um, but we're well aware that there are lots of other teams coming strong out of the box this year so it's not going to be easy by any means um but we've been been working hard since the grand prix on the things that we could improve on like our pit stops and other stuff um so yeah and it's a case of consistency as well um because like right now shane has either won or qualified p nowhere and come out with an all right result or been in the lead and then had a tire failure or whatever um but Somewhere along the line, you can always look at, you can always relate that back to a reason. You know, that tyre failing wasn't a freak accident. If our pit stops had been faster, he'd have come out in front of Chaz. He wouldn't have had to fight him for position. So he wouldn't have flat, flat spotted the tyre. So he wouldn't have had a tyre blowout. You know, it's all somewhere along the line. We can always, it's, it's very, very rarely a freak accident. So we've been yeah. working hard to pinpoint every single one of those things that we could have done better. Um, so yeah, certainly, certainly wins and podiums on 97, um, on 88, on Brock's side of the fence, of course, we're always just taking each, um, each track as it comes. Um, there are tracks that he's never been to, obviously he's been cutting some laps, as you said, in, um, in a prototype this weekend to, um, to try and learn the circuit a bit, which has hopefully been good for him. But what will probably be good for Brock in this instance is the fact that, as I touched upon, so many teams will be going in there with irrelevant data. We don't know what the track's going to be like, and that's a, that's a good equaliser for the field. Um, obviously, the, you know, the, the nature of the circuit is still the same. Fundamentally, the, the, the fundamentals of the setup aren't going to change a lot, but... Um, with nobody knowing what that track circuit's going to be like, it, it will be interesting and that will be an equaliser. So hopefully Brock can can be solid top tens. Um, certainly what we're aiming for, if he if he cracks top five, you know, awesome. He's done he's done really, really well. 
Um, and then Super 2, of course, we're taking our uh, we're taking the Super 2 cars over there for round two of the season. Um, that'll be a big weekend for me, actually, because I'm taking over a Super 2 team manager. Um, this yeah. is our this is our Super 2 team manager's last round, and then he hands over the reins to me. Um, awesome. So hopefully we can see him off on a on a good note before he uh, he heads off. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got Declan Fraser and Cam Hill in those cars. Cam is a rookie um, in the series, so for for him to be as fast as he was at Sydney Motorsport Park, albeit with um, you know with the difficulties of you know, being taken out on he qualified so well and then got taken out through no fault of his own um, on the race start and. He's shown he's shown fantastic speed considering he's never driven these cars before this year. Um, and Declan, he's done a season or two in Super Two already, so um, yeah, he should be he should be fast. Don't have any questions about his ability this weekend. Um, meet and greet signing sessions are back for the weekend. When's your one on? I'm no idea. No idea. <laughs> cool. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i should know there's no reason that i need to know i don't need to be there i try and only put the things in my brain now that i that i need to know <laughs> no that, that that's a good way to be like my brain at the moment is utterly overwhelmed with podcast media customers um so oh, i actually look after the media for Wanneroo raceway uh as well so got that hat to wear making sure we've got all our targeted stuff for this weekend um so that supercars fans are going to get absolutely bombarded with local racing ads <laughs> um please don't click the uh hide button if you are listening to this podcast and happen to get some of our ads just click the love button click the love button um yeah so and then uh, we've got a couple of other projects we've got like young kids we look after with their motorsport and teaching and media stuff and like it's just just nuts so i i fully understand like the just what you need to know um yeah. you know if someone asked me anything about a car i could 100 percent tell you that i do not know uh, <laughs> one thinks that goes oh you're in motorsport you must know blah blah, blah. i'm a no oh what about the results from last week yeah. nope no know what you need to know yep I've got our, we've got a, we do two podcasts, one's a news podcast and that I've got a cheat sheet of what I need to know for that podcast and then I throw it out and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, last thing before I hand you over to Brent, um, the, you're also studying law. Yep. Almost done. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, what area of law did you did you spe have you specialised in an area of law or are you? No, I haven't been able to specialise to be honest because because I already have a degree, um, and this is an honours degree. Um, the and it should be four years. They have taken the credit from my first degree in the UK and basically chopped a year off of my honours degree. So I still get an honours degree, but don't get to do any of the electives. Or sorry, instead of 12 electives, I can only do four. So I haven't really had the opportunity to specialise, but um, my thing is contracts. As weird as this sounds, I love contracts. I love the way language works, um, the nuances of the construction of sentences that can make something mean something totally different in the <laughs> eyes of the law. Um, yeah. yeah, I nerd out over that shit. <laughs> sorry, I swore. That's all right. Surprised um, it's taken me this long. <laughs> we, 
We usually, um, yeah, we always release our episodes explicit because there's always swearing. Like, we don't. <laughs> I just thought, of course, they would be. <laughs> yeah, like we we've had some. Yeah, better. We've had some, um, yeah, some giggles after people sworn and gone, oh my God, I didn't mean to swear. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then they've continued to swear in their apology for swearing. So, <laughs> sounds like something I would do, to be honest. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, look, I'm going to hand you over to Brent. I have done a couple of more questions for you. Um, they are shorter questions afterwards. Um, and I will warn you that Adam Marjoram has actually asked me to ask you a question. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah. So, um, not the sort of question we usually ask of our guests. Um, Is but, it whether he can have a drive? Uh, strangely, no. Oh, okay. No, it'll be about hair care, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, unless you're going to field it, I think he's pretty keen to come back and do uh, super utes. Is is his thing? Hmm. So if you're going to get a super utes team up and running, well, until they uh, allow us to race um, Chevrolet um, Chevrolet Silverados, probably not. Yeah, but um, that's that's where that's where he wants to go. We actually did up a um, Photoshop edit. We put his old um, Penrite livery on a V8 super ute for him. Oh yeah. Um, and he chucked that up to get, and the fans went nuts. <laughs> um, they all thought it was real, which I thought was pretty cool testament to my Photoshop skills. But um, I just, yep, just rub the chest, go, yep, get the tickets <laughs> on myself. Um, hand you over to Brent and we'll chat in a little bit. Very good. Cool. Um, so Shane's answered or well, asked a couple of things that I had to segue into stuff. But um, like I said, right. I'm normally the motorsport nerd and uh, normally ask techie questions or more driver-based questions, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm branching out of me just wanting to put a helmet on and figure out how to make myself go faster. So, <laughs> um, so you mentioned, so you're across so many goddamn things by the sound. It's like, it's, it's, it's mental and you're still really, really young. So you say so you just turned 30 or you, you're not far past 30. Yeah. Yeah. So I you're still, lied, but um, I haven't. <laughs> Yeah, so you, you're old enough to know better, but young enough to still do it anyway. And uh, oh, to, to be honest, since I, I turned 29 and I probably just got worse, <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely, um, definitely have re like um, recessed. <laughs> Man, so you've you've got a ton on your plate. Um, one of the things that uh, takes up a lot of time. So you're you're a girls on track ambassador, right? Yeah. Uh, as well as a woman in FIA motorsport, but going to the ambassador thing. So what is that? What does that involve, and what does it demand of you? Because we hear the term in the sponsorship world used quite a lot, but I don't think anyone on our level, or you know, right down at our level, most really understands what that involves and and uh, might take it for granted. So do you want to give yeah. us a bit more on that? So at a basic level, it's um, attending events and being one of the people that's hosting a workshop at a girls on track event um, and spreading the spreading the message for want of a better way of putting it. But it's really our job to make sure that the program is represented in the best possible way and to make sure that we're, we're putting it on our channels and um, that we're doing our part and encouraging people to, to take part and sign up and any opportunity I get to tell somebody to sign up for a girls on track event. Um, I do, which I've actually got in trouble for because I'm telling people to sign up events that, for events that are already full. And then I say, Oh, can I just squeeze in one more? Can we squeeze in one more? <laughs> um, but then on top of that, this year has a really fantastic element added to it. Um, 
that we'll keep doing into the future as well, which is mentoring. So a massive part of feedback that we get about women coming into the sport is the idea of having mentors, but it's such it's so much even more so much easier said than done. So at the Australian Grand Prix, we had a careers um, a, a career and um, mentoring session kind of thing for like the whole of the Thursday of Grand Prix was um, was all this current of career and mentoring event. And at the end of it, us ambassadors, um, I think we, there are 10 ambassadors in total and nine of us took part in this day, which is a fantastic turnout considering, especially considering Christina works for, um, works for Alfa Romeo in Switzerland. So the fact that we had her there was, was awesome too. Um, and we all got, we all had to choose one girl to mentor at the end of it. So I'm working with a lovely girl called Abby who really sparked my interest because she said, um, should I work on management and become an engineer or work or become an engineer and um, work on management after that? And I was like, you need to come to Triple Eight. <laughs> I can, like, this is the perfect place for you because you like be become an engineer because there are so there are so many people mm. who can manage there are so many managers in the world and there's probably less engineers but still a lot of engineers but engineers who can manage and and be you know have the have the material have have the um skills the soft skills and hard skills to then go on and have genuine prospects to be a, a team manager or a um or a technical director or whatever it might be um, yeah, they're hard to find. That's a hundred percent really cool. Like my background's oil and gas uh, engineering and then into project management um, before I came back to Australia. So that, um, that makes perfect sense. And motorsport, it doesn't matter what business you're in, especially the big end of motorsport, is that's, the budgets are as big as most oil and gas projects. So mm. you need that technical background first up and then, man, you can go do your um, you know, associate diplomas or whatever they are called these days to, to add on your, your management, your project management, your PMP, your pinball, whatever set you're going to throw into it, you know what I mean? So, yeah, no, that's cool. That's a really cool take on it. That's a cool understanding that. So the, the women in motorsport or uh, girls on track, sorry, um, thing is more than just some cool names associated with a cool program that, that EMA is running. It's actually um, physically one on one with people and getting that opportunity because you don't see that a lot anymore. No, so you that's... don't. And it's to be honest, we're actually kind of world leading. So girls girls on track, FIA Girls on Track is a global program. And when I do our FIA Women in Motorsport Commission meetings, um, being the Australian delegate and also the oh, what am I? My title is something like De deputy coordinator for the Asia Pacific region. Um, so I work on basically coordinating all women in motorsport activities in, in the Asia Pacific region, um, which is about to get very busy, but um, that's all right. I'll make it work. Um, so that's, um, I, I really take pride in our women in motorsport commission meetings when I can sit there and say, Australia is doing this and we're, you know, we're, we're changing the mold of what FIA girls on track is by doing that. And, that and other women from other representatives from other countries i shouldn't just say women because there are men on the board as well um on the commission and that i have so many representatives getting in touch with me and saying where do we start how do we you know the fia has a toolkit to get started but how can we get real world experience from the way that australia is doing it and i'm so proud that that's what we've been able to build from you know this 
crazy idea that I had in 2017 to make um, to bring Dare to Be Different here, which ultimately um, Dare to Be Different is is what it started as um, in when we launched it in 2018, and then that. M- merged on a global level with FIA Girls on Track to be what it is today. So yeah, this looking at where it's come over the five years is, um, yeah, I'm really proud of it. That is really, really cool. Um, I'm going to skip around on my question sheet, so I might get confuddled a bit. But um, uh, how, so you're obviously um, from the UK originally. Um, how, comparing apples with oranges, how do they do their Girls on Track compared to us? Um, they, they have the luxury of being able to go to like Mercedes F1 and, um, and other, F, um, other Formula One teams over there, which would be very nice. So the girls are actually exposed to, um, much bigger and grander forms of motorsport, which is very inspiring, but on some level, probably quite overwhelming, um, it's, it's much easier over there to use motorsport as um as the goal it's the pool of motorsport in europe is much bigger than it is in australia so we need to part of what we do through fia girls on track is using motorsport as a tool to show girls that stem industries are an option for them that's really what it was born out Mm. of Um, and from there we obviously show them different aspects of motorsport but really that's the fundamental premise of of what the program is about in Australia because our motorsport pool is just not big enough. We can't go to sponsors and say, yeah, we'd, um, we really want you to support this program that's purely focused around motorsport, even though you would really like more women to work in your um, oil refinery or your coal mine, not coal mines, shouldn't be mining coal, um, or <laughs> whatever, <laughs> um, yeah. whatever area of kind of STEM industry it is. So, um, yeah, as much as I would like all of these girls to come into motorsport, I have to acknowledge that, that that's not always going to be the case because it is a smaller industry here than it is in Europe, but very important nevertheless. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would love to go to a Girls on Track event in the UK one day um, to, to experience it and see the differences. Um, but really, we've kind of, in Australia, we're, we've now become the ones that other countries look to to, to learn how they should roll out. And we run more events per year than other countries that I've, that have, um, that I know of anecdotally that they do. Um, and, and that's considering our geographical challenges compared to somewhere in the UK, uh, somewhere like the UK, that's impressive in itself as well. Yeah, that is, that is really cool. Um, so you go to the UK soon, uh, you might have to get your PA over there if you can find someone um, to put <laughs> yeah. your PA over there um, to, uh, to to book you in for one of the girls on track sessions there and uh, maybe we can flip it on its head and get it going. If only I had a day. If only I had a <laughs> spare day. <laughs> right but, now, if my imaginary PA tells me correctly, um, yeah, currently don't. But the whole trip is fantastic. I'm leaving just under a month to go to Monaco Grand Prix, oh, nice. then go to the UK for a few days. And then my sister decided to book a holiday to Poland, which doesn't seem like the most sensible place to go right now, but rolling with it. Yeah. Um, and then back to the UK for another like three days or something. And then over to Le Mans, um, do Le Mans for the first time and then fly into Darwin for our race there. So it's all a bit of a whirlwind. 
Awesome. So with the um, segueing around a little bit, so with Lamont, have, have, um, have you got much involvement with the GTs running there? Obviously, you guys have a big GT program. Um, yeah, so Mercedes haven't actually run at Le Mans since 1999, and we run Mercedes AMG GT3s and GT4s. Um, so not, it's not something that we as Triple Eight could do in the near future until the regulations change, which um, Mercedes, are, which will allow Mercedes to, to compete in Le Mans again once the regulations change. But I don't think that's until 2024. Um, but in the meantime, um, Shane's racing. So, um, and while I'm over in that part of Europe, I was like, well, <laughs> might as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Might as well go over there. When in Rome, but not in Rome, when in France. Um, yep. So, yeah, I will I'll head there purely as a, purely as a spectator, really. It's going to be fabulous getting to go to two motorsport events in a row purely as a fan. Yeah, no, that's going to be... That's going to be pretty cool. And back on the UK side of things, um, you're probably a little bit younger, but the uh, obviously Triple Eight were a massive uh, powerhouse in the BTC days. Um, do you think that was bigger than what Supercars is now, or because uh, I know BTC's been up and down and and it's changed and morphed and changed again recently, and um, it always seems really big looking from the outside in. But you've obviously been on you know sort of both sides of the fence, so to speak. Yeah, hard to tell because I was I was young when um, when I was involved in touring in British touring cars. Probably uh, like grew up in it. Like some of my earliest memories are, are going to racetracks with Triple Eight or when my dad was racing even. And um, and I think I went to my last BTCC race when I was twelve. I want to say. So yeah, it's been a while. Um, haven't followed it that closely. I think it's, I think it's fluctuated more than supercars has. It's yeah, absolutely. Yes. It's been through a lot of changes, a lot more changes than supercars has, and um, but I mean, looking at it, they're, they're coming into the hybrid era, which doesn't sound easy. <laughs> it sounded like a sounded like it's it's had a fair fair share of challenges. But if we look back to the last few years, they've had epic grids. But also, how many of those people on those grids are kind of paying for their seats? It's it's a toss up. It's it's a hard one. Um, I don't feel like I have enough information about the series to to be able to make that um, comparison. But I can say that I get frustrated with fans in Australia because there is a lack of um, there's a lack of awareness about how good we have it. We have one of the best motorsport products in the world. Regardless of whether you are a touring car fan or um, GTs or single seat, whatever, supercars is an epic package. And especially the broadcast, we have an absolutely world-class broadcast. Um, not saying it's perfect, but what we get delivered on a weekend is is absolutely world-class. And I can, I watch the, that TV behind me, <laughs> that that when it doesn't have the news on for half an hour a day, it's motorsport round the clock. And I'll watch replay after replay of things that I know the results from, but I just absorb it. Um, and I watch all, all different, all different categories of cars and bikes from all over the world. And the access that we have and the quality that we have, everything from the number of in-car cameras to pit lane cameras to the quality of the audio that really simple stuff it seems simple but it's not um 
all of that is just is next level and i really want more people in australia to go outside of the australian bubble and absorb motorsport that's not formula one because you know we come second to formula one and moto gp but watch a dtm race watch an indy car race watch nascar um and it's just not of the quality that we have it's really not no 100 percent um so yeah, that, like my house is uh, motorsport tragics, and, and uh, uh, my kids are going to get the bug, unfortunately. But I've got, I'm in the games room at the moment. There's three screens in here that have always got something on it. The bars always got something on it. The garage and the workshops always got something on it. Um, and they, uh, yeah, like I said, our our footage, so our um, pit lane stuff. I didn't think of that before. That's really massive. Our in car is probably some of the better and clearest you'll see out of any category, especially tin top category. Yep. anywhere um and our technical stuff so mm. um a lot of the categories don't do anything with it at all so i can only think of nascar every now and again they'll do something but nothing on the level um that that we get um which is really really cool so yeah and, and i think nascar is kind of a good one to to compare us to because it's like the Yankee thing and it's very American, you know, where a supercar is very Australian. There is no global kind of thing, whereas NASCAR is only really efficient in America. But they concentrate so much more on the um, tabloid side of it, using an English term, but concentrate so much on that side of it. They don't. I don't know if their fans are really into the technical side of it like we are over here. Yeah, it, and it, it surprises me that they don't do more of that because – their races are so long that you need that stuff to break up the broadcasts. Like during during a NASCAR race, unless there's a rain oh, delay yeah. um, or some other yeah. stoppage, you never see people. Um, 100%. You never, yeah, you, you never see people on camera unless they're filming someone from the crew. They never cut to cut to pit yep. road or um, break it up with with something that they've that they're shooting. Even they could do it off site. They could cut to you know their their Workshop post race stuff is all done from uh, somewhere off site, Charlotte, maybe? I can't remember. Um, but they could easily they can easily cross, but they don't. And they have these four hour long broadcasts with nothing breaking it up in between. And man, I you know, it doesn't stop me loving NASCAR. I love NASCAR. Um and yeah, like Talladega on the weekend is just that, I think that to me sums up like what a tragic I am because that was a, not the most exciting race in the world um, until the last lap, but I still yep. watched every lap of it. <laughs> no, 100%. And I think NASCAR sums up like the way it's broadcast, it lends itself to be an in-person sport. Um, but it's a very good one to have on in the background, whereas supercars, mm. you, you watch it. Yep. F1, you watch the whole thing, you know what I mean? Um, it's actually I, interesting, sorry to cut in there, um, the – the media portals, the back-end media portals, you know, where we get all our updates from um, for IndyCar and NASCAR are, are second to none. Like, there's so much information in there. There's so much footage and videos and stuff, graphics package, fantasy updates, team rosters, records. It's it's nuts. They're huge. Wow. But they don't use any. They don't seem to use any of that. That's amazing. That that's so yeah. interesting. I mean, NASCAR's got better about their with their social content, with their digital content, at bringing more of that in, especially coming into the new generation cars. Um, they've got a lot better at turning that that technical content that you're talking about into bite-sized stuff that they can throw on their social media. But IndyCar, oh my God, they do nothing. 
Well, IndyCars actually, again, like their back end is the same as pretty much the same as NASCAR's. Um, they've actually got uh, broadcast wraps. Um, they do uh, like a package which you could like we could rebroadcast. Um, oh, yeah. They've got little video clips, um, different interviews, like short little clip interviews with everyone. Um, NASCAR actually provides a virtual media center, so you could as if you're sitting at the track. That's awesome. Um, like. Yeah, like nowhere else, like Formula One doesn't have this. Um, supercars, I'm pretty sure, don't have it. Um, no. Like, <laughs> it's it's just nuts. Like the the back end content is massive. Um, no, why they don't use it more for themselves then? I, I, I don't know. Like it's it just <laughs> like when when unless Brent there's a treasure in, trove of stuff that I'm missing. Um, it sounds like you guys are too. So I hope I'm not. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't even it wasn't even until like this year or last year the IndyCar branched out from posting only still photos that had a blue tint washed over them or something like that. Yeah. I remember looking at their social at their Instagram page, thinking, I don't even want to follow this. Like, this is so this doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't give me any insights. It doesn't give me anything that I find interesting. It's literally just photo after photo of a driver with a finger in the air with a blue filter over the top of it thankfully they have branched out since then over the last 18 months uh they have video footage back to 2012 of various stuff on the nascar back end so yeah it's it's just interesting like hearing your conversation then about the whole um you know like they don't package it the same as supercars like seems to be like supercars does really well on the front end yeah um and I hope they don't revoke my media accreditation for what I'm about to say. <laughs> but on the back end, there's nothing. Like there's um, there's nowhere for even to subscribe for like a press release from Super. Yeah, I wonder if that's because the like, Yanks are because of the way the states are, and there's so many different states and so many different news stations and um, so many pay services and all. That stuff, you know, media companies. I wonder if that America's just really geared up that way to deal with all those smaller broadcasts and, and TV stations through that. I wonder yeah. if that's a, a thing that's different, yeah, you know? But, yeah, like, so we've got to go to each individual team and get press releases from each individual team and then compile all those press releases into a news article. Yeah. And then all the, all the teams release their own press releases at different times. So Triple Eight, yeah. um, I think you guys are pretty good with getting it out very quickly. Um, Trained our media manager well. Yep. Um, you know, um, Brad Jones will be the next morning. Um, so, you know, like you're trying to trying to put together an article. and. Did you tell Brad you know, like, that when you had him on the show? No. Well, at that stage, we hadn't really dealt with um, putting it all together. So we started <laughs> doing our like, heavy um, um, content last year around supercars. Um, and yeah, it's just amazing, like the the difference between you know even MotoGP. MotoGP releases a press release uh, about two hours after the races all finish, um, and it's got everything in there that we need. Um, F1 doesn't even do that. Like F1 again, you got to go to every individual team. Some of them will let you in really easily. McLaren, you got to plead your case to get approved. Um, Ferrari just lets anyone, um, you know, but you get all this back-end information and stats and stuff, which is really cool. But mm. again, no one in Australia, Australia is doing everything really well on the front end, but on the back end is where 
everyone sort of lags a bit and that's from grassroots all the way up there's potential for that to change with supercars ownership changing hands and being yeah. owned now by a media company hopefully that could change hopefully but anyway sorry <laughs> i'm sorry to bundle shane's, shane's rant for the for the yep. episode yep 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 well it's just that like we're trying to yeah like play behind <laughs> i'm just gonna say like you know with behind the sport.net you know we've been building it over the last few years and you know like we don't have the budget of you know the the, the guys over in green um you know i'm not going to mention on this podcast um <laughs> you know like we don't have the same budget as them to just go out and you know send people to tracks all the time so we do rely on you know press releases and it's it's insane that you know grassroots doesn't want to promote itself you know like we go to grassroots outlets and go uh, uh tracks and teams and drivers and go hey give, give us your info let us know what you're up to mm. and it's like this big secret and then it goes all the way up even into supercars but obviously like supercars is a bit more open mm. you know, in comparison because you know you guys are sending out press releases yeah, I'm yeah. gonna give. I'm gonna get take this opportunity to give a shout out to Luke King actually at this moment, yeah. um, uh, TCR driver because he took the initiative to put together a media pack and send it to. He got all of our email. Oh no, he, no, he didn't. He he got like he sent it to whoever was managing. Um, media for ARG. It was either Grant Rowley or, or Richard Crail, one of those guys sent it to them who distributed it to all of us. Oh my God, like little gem of a of a media pack. Everything we needed to know about him, his background. And funnily enough, he got his he's gets an awful lot of airtime and you know, talk yeah. about him and stuff in the in the broadcast. So yeah, uh, that was awesome initiative by Luke and more people should be doing that kind of thing. Mm. And I think actually it comes to a big oh. problem that we that that exists it's, in motorsport is the fact that it's so expensive to do motorsport and we need kids to if we want more kids who aren't reliant on the bank of mum and dad to be able to to do or if, or if bank of mum and dad doesn't exist and there's parents who need to find the money um we should be teaching giving kids the opportunity or teenagers the opportunity to learn about self-marketing and self-promotion yeah. and it's something i've spoken to motorsport australia about a few times saying like oh, workshops like <laughs> workshops a year or something um to that gives kids the opportunity or anyone the opportunity to understand how to put together a sponsorship proposal and yeah. how to network and how to do your social media and just resources on how people can be more self-sufficient in finding a way through the driving pathway yeah, another oh, something I mentioned to the um, to Priyanka from Motorsport Australia when she was in WA last year for the Girls on Track and Ricardo's races was, you know, it's all great you guys are showing them this stuff, you know, racing stuff. Can we do some media workshops? And you know, I believe they've actually taken that on board and they're doing them now. So I think they did. Yeah, I'm hoping that. Um... I'm hoping certainly at the two Queensland events, it might be difficult to do it before, but the two Queensland events, which are obviously my local ones, will be able to do do something like that. I'm working. I know exactly who I want to do them. She's a she's a gun. Her name's Ainsley, um, and she looks after media for um, social media and digital stuff for us at Red Bull Anvil Racing, but also yeah. Toby Price, Jack Doohan, Jack Miller, um, 
looks after Shane's stuff now as well, like a whole heap of people. And I need her <laughs> to be the person yeah. <laughs> to, um, to help me put, put this together because she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's so good at what she does and would be the perfect person to talk to these girls and, yeah. and inspire yeah. them about something that, because so, for the girls who girls on, that girls on track relates to um, and engages with, video content, social media, digital, that's also tangible for them. It's not scary. Yeah. It's something that they can do. And it's something that that is an easy way into not only motorsport, but any industry now, because every industry relies on creating content. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I really am truly going to back out again. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. No, it's 100% right. Because right. even like... <laughs> Uh, commentators are always moaning because they can never get enough stuff. I've been mean, having Matt um, Nolts get some stuff for the two local categories, um, and they've all got their stuff together. It's just it doesn't get funneled through either way. And just the commentators on the event, and everyone always moans like, "Oh, you just talked about such and such the whole event." It's like, well, it's the only guy that came and gave me some information. It's all on them. It's all on yeah. them. <laughs> there's there's one commentator, maybe two, and yeah. twenty, thirty, sometimes forty competitors. And you know what? It would have been awesome for like six hour last year when I was working across six hour for more people to have filled out little media packs. And a lot of them did. A lot of them did do it. But a lot of them did really half-assed efforts. Um, and it's, well, would, you're just not giving us the tools to, to do you justice. You've worked so bloody hard to get here. Um, so give us the tools to, to reflect your hard work. Yeah, and of course the commentator is going to talk about what what he knows about and what he has on hand So or she has on hand or... Uh, yeah, anyway, that's the age old rant. And Chase, what we've been doing with Chase Hoy in Perth is like we just feed commentators stuff about Chase Hoy every yeah. single race. And all they talk about is Chase Hoy. It's great. <laughs> Sorry, don't yell, I'm backing it. <laughs> no, it's right. It's been good. I've been on, on and off mute because my kids are starting to riot out in the lounge. That must be witching time. Um, anyway, back to how you started off um, when you first came across. You got chucked into a mechanics role or apprentice role or, or something to that effect. You're saying earlier, yeah. um, and then they moved up the ranks pretty quick. Um, do you reckon that gave you a really good insight on on and and that camp mother role you talked about? They gave you a really good insight on how things are supposed to operate properly. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish that I had had an older head on my shoulders. Maybe, like, if I was to do that again, I would be able to look at as in going back and working as a mechanic again. I'd look at it through a very different set of eyes, but you know, I just turned 18. So I didn't, um, and ha had a very, very narrow view on how things worked. And also my, my dad's never really been one to kind of go out of his way to explain anything over and above to me. It's always, I'm going to give you the bearing for barest of information and you need to sink or swim. Um, so it's, I wish that I could have gone through that and, and had a different, different perspective on it um but yeah it's it's an awesome foundation for learning it gave me an appreciation of how the cars work um very different now of course but still the fundamentals of putting a set of brakes together doesn't change so yeah very glad that that was where i started no that and that is proper cool and that's probably why you had that cool insight on be the engineer first and then learn the management side of it because if you, if you can kind of grasp that technical side of it or have a common ground to discuss things with engineers and drivers. So if someone's talking about doughy brakes, at least you've got half an idea of what's going on. You know, you, you, it doesn't, you don't just glaze over and then they, you know, helps the whole relationship, all that sort of stuff. Um, really cool segue into the next piece. Um, 
you, you did talk about um, not driving one of the cars because there are a lot of people plenty better qualified than yourself, um, but it still runs in your veins sort of thing. And I've been asked by one of my, uh, when I say customers, good mates, um, the old boy did a, uh, he ran in the XLs with the, um, just recently with the um, Prince, um, oh man, I'm forbidden with names. Prince Jeffrey? Yeah, Prince Jeffrey yeah, and Slade. Was it Slade? No, um, it's just the two of them. It's just, just two, the two of them yeah, did the two, um, two driver and Jerry. Yeah, um, is that like because that's like the XL Cup's huge in every state, right? And because it's such a grassroots, entry level, um, cheapest single mate class racing you can go do at the moment. Is that um, like did that car come through the stable like all the other exit like all the other race cars? And... It was my car. That was your <laughs> car. No way. Yeah, it was my car, and then he. He apparently gave it to me for my 30th birthday, and then I did not get to drive it very much at all. Cut a few laps at Norwell, and that was about it. And then he bashed it up several times and then sold it without asking me. <laughs> that is that is hilarious. So um, I did not realize it was your car. I don't think a lot of people realize that that was your car. <laughs> and that's um, that's the funniest response to that. I, I thought he was going to get, you know, this nice trim. Yeah, cool. We, we treat all the cars the same and they come through and engineers, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. No, that was my car and he crashed it and sold it. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what oh. happened. That's the truth of it. <laughs> so does that mean you get another Reliant Robin? Uh, no, that's that. I don't know where that is actually. Maybe it, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where that is. Um, I, I think that there's only, it's probably not very many of them left in the world. No, really. I don't think many survived, um, to be honest. But oh, that's cool. Um, do you, what, like, that's such a bipolar opposite to what Triple Eight does, right? Because Triple Eight's the heavy hitters in V8 supercars, the heavy hitters in GTs. Um, you know, the Triple Eight name is synonymous with just awesomeness. I know they do some rad products for XLs. Um, is that something that's going to keep going or what's the next, and this is something I've asked a few people now, what's the next thing it's going to take over from XLs that you you think you might see come through with these younger guys coming through normal, you know, like you've seen Feeney in them every now and again, you've seen um, Nash in them, you've seen lots of really good drivers stepping up from those now. Um, no, so that was really only COVID thing that we – uh, that we were dabbling in excels because there's very little other racing going on. So we've always got to, we have plenty of staff to keep busy and we always need to keep an income coming through. So we decided to <laughs> take the cheapest form of motorsport and significantly increase the price. Um, <laughs> but we, we go to an XL race with our bloody B double and <laughs> it was embarrassing. Um, no, it was, it was good fun. It was good fun. And I think it definitely, the races that we did, there was um, great enjoyment from the people, on the, on the most part, there was a lot of enjoyment from people um, also taking part, that it was something that we were getting involved in and doing and that, you, you know, all these, these kids or, or adults could just go up and have a chat with Roland Dane and <laughs> maybe spin him off track or something. And it was all just a bit of fun. <laughs> Um, although it's never really fun. It's never just a bit of fun, is it? It's always um, competitive and angry. <laughs> no, that's no, that's that's cool, you know. Like it's a like every I think every organization, be it motorsport or not, had a segue in, in COVID for some sort of random project. So Yeah. No, that's that's, that's really cool. Fun. And um 
I think XL is a good one because I think just about every XL series in the country has a triple eight mock-up car fan somewhere. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, no, hit the nail on the head. That's pretty cool. Um, so ambling along, um, you mentioned that you're so you've come through the ranks of triple eights pretty pretty well. A tried and true path. You know, you went from uh, you did your mechanic stuff. You then became camp mother. Um, you've been then progressed into the management side of it. You're, you're, you're teething up on the contract side of it. Um, and then you're about to take over the Super 2 management role. So what does that sort of encompass? So there's a lot of – Super 2 is still a pretty high-end product, right, to go race. It's it's Yeah. You know, it's it's the it's more than a step above state level racing, right? So oh, totally. I mean, they're they're fully fledged supercars. It wasn't all that long ago that that these were the cars that we were racing in main game. Um, so yeah, everything's still done to a high level. I mean, the difference is that we've got tried and tested setups at at every track with these cars, and we know we know so much about them that we know how to make them make them click with the VFs. And um, definitely one of our as a co- as a collective, as a team, it's, it's one of our favorite race cars, um, the VF. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely high level. And even if it wasn't, we would still be striving to be the best and do it to the best of our abilities. One, because that's what Triple Eight is about. And two, because we're doing it for customers. It's trip, the supercar, the Super 2 program is drivers coming in and asking us to deliver them the best possible package. So there's a different kind of pressure that comes with that to um, than to main game. Of course, your sponsors are your um, are your customers as well, but in in a very different way. Um, so yeah, the approach to the approach to racing in supercars is by necessity different to racing in Super Two, pure largely because of those relationships and um, and customer management side of things. Yeah, cool. Um, and that's obviously when you move to that level, that customer management side of it is something that at a lot of us state level races just would not get our heads around because, you know, a lot of the sponsorships we have are because we know the company or, um, you know, along those sort of lines. It's, it's yeah, that's a, and the, yeah, you don't talk in that language of customers and product and that sort of stuff. So, mm-hmm. no, that is really cool. And, and I, and I um, wish you all the best in, in that side of the role because it's a, uh, you know, that's a hell of a product to be to be working with. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully, I am <laughs> doing an okay job. <laughs> um, so I've got two quick ones before I give you back to Big Bad Shane. Um, the uh, so personal wise, uh, obviously you are stupidly flat out. Um, this is another one that that a mate's asked me to ask. Um, Shane's probably about getting ready to hit the kill button, but no. Um, personal life, massively busy. Um, studying, um, which is, uh, so you say you're doing honours in law, which is massive contract law. Uh, you couldn't probably f- pick a more boring subject, I suppose, <laughs> to get after. So a lot of reading and a lot of late night studying, it sucks. But um, are you still into your motorbikes? Are you still riding? Are you still getting out on um, bikes? Uh, what's what's happening there? Not as much as I'd like. I've still got a almost brand new Ducati Monster sitting in my garage. <laughs> That I haven't been able to to go out on nearly as much as I'd like. So um, yeah, I'm arranging with Ducati to return that so that it can go to a home that um, that gives it more time and attention than I can. Um, would love to be getting out on dirt bikes 
more, but um, one, I don't have anywhere to keep a dirt bike or any way of transporting it. Um, and two, I can't justify getting a dirt bike right now when um, my next free weekend is the um, weekend of the 14th of August. Yeah, that's a bit long out to just ring up the boys and say I'm going for a ride. Yeah, Out to the pines yeah. if you want to come. <laughs> yeah, doesn't quite work. Otherwise, every single week, every single week I'm um, and weekend I'm away somewhere. <laughs> that's, that's dedication. That's that's really cool, and that's a cool segue into my last question, which I ask everyone, and it doesn't matter whether you're a driver or not. So obviously. Um, I ask, uh, well, it's probably not obvious, but I always ask if if, they, if you have a weird pre-event or pre-race superstition. So you mentioned before that uh, you, you've got a massive amount of flights, you've got to pack, you don't sleep before you get on the plane. I'm the same. I'll like set 14 alarms and still wake up every hour on the hour before I've got to get on that plane to go to a track. Um, what's, the, what's your pre-event superstition? Have you got something that will rail you? We've had some really weird ones from drivers like, it's not just. so much a superstition. Um, I'm not superstitious. Um, it's more just a ritual. I will always actually maybe it's not even a ritual. I just I'm I'm terrible at packing, so I pack from a I pack from a list. I have had an evolving list for about five years that stemmed from getting to Sydney Motorsport Park and realizing that I had almost I'd forgotten almost everything that I need. And thankfully, um, I was living with someone else in the team at the time. So um, I was able to send, every time I thought of something, I was like, please bring this, please bring that, please bring that. <laughs> so um, yeah, was was able to get everything I needed for the most part. But um, yeah, that's, I just, I live by, I live by my lists. Yeah. Yeah, no, so you've, you've got a, a physical list that you've got to tick off and then your brain will let it go and you can get to the get to the joint and everything sorted out. Yeah, Google Notes hasn't let me down yet. Yeah, no, it's good. Cool. Oh, no, that's cool, and that's a very good one. And, and um, I think uh, Brooke had a pretty similar one with uh, getting a gear bag packed before she takes off to races. Oh, she doesn't, I wish uh, that more drivers did that because, um, yeah, I remember like when um, – Kurt Kostecki was driving for us. He had one event where he forgot his suit and another event where he left his helmet sitting on a bench at the airport. Oh. <laughs> Not a cheap thing to leave sitting on a bench at the airport either. For that now. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, anything else, Brent? I didn't. No, nah, yeah, that's that's the typical last one. Thank you very much. Um, really stoked to, to talk to you. Um you know, like you must be really proud to be part of an organization that's got so much history globally. Um, and I'm really excited about the GT stuff. Um, you know, like there's some, you know, we're bagging out media a little bit before, but some of the media you guys put out uh, would have been maybe three months ago, might have been longer, you know, with the Prince doing the testing with Shane and was it his brother or cousin, yeah. whatever it was in the, in the, um, the GT. That was a really cool insight. Um, and, a, and a lot more casual setting for for what is such a high-profile dude and mm. such a high-profile car. Well, that was exactly what that was aiming to achieve, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I thought that was that was really, really cool. And, and uh, putting my fan hat on, I'd love to see more of that sort of stuff. Um, I'm a massive GT fan. Like oh, that's, wonderful. Yeah, I love yeah, it. GT racing's great. I really enjoy it. 
yeah, like, I mean, I, I run sports sedans locally, but if I won Lotto, I, like anyone, would be in a GT tin tops where it's at. Okay, so, well, let me know yeah. if that comes to fruition and uh, we can organise an AMG GT3 for you. Fantastic. <laughs> I will, yeah, I, will just, I might actually have to buy tickets instead of hoping on my own luck. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll get there one day for sure. <laughs> Um, all right, before we do my last couple of questions, I will do Adam Marjoram's question, his actual question that he asked. Um, he actually asked this same question of Wally Taylor. Um, and he, sorry? So this on. is a horrible question. It is a horrible question. <laughs> yeah. um, it, but it is a typical Adam Marjoram question and talking point. Um, Adam wants to know if you would rather have hands for feet or feet for hands. Um, hands for feet because I don't really like feet. Okay. So if I could get rid of them, then then Fair that solves that problem. Awesome. I wouldn't like feet near my hand near my face all the time. Yeah. Also, imagine how many things you could get done if you could carry yeah. stuff with fingers on your feet. Yes, exactly. Surely and that's like obvious answer. Them. Surely everyone says that. Uh, I can't Molly remember. Said that. <laughs> I can't remember what Molly said. I'm going to text her right after this and ask her. <laughs> <laughs> if she said feet for hands, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> um, now, the, obviously, um, with full respect for your current driver lineup, if you could have in one of your cars, um, in one of your supercars. Any driver from any era of motorsport who's dead or alive. Any category. Any category. We could bring them, if they're dead, we'll bring them back to life. Um, who would you want to run in one of your cars? James Hunt. James Hunt? Yeah. For the the entertainment factor. Probably only last a year before I cracked the shits and got rid of him. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't would... think I'd even last a year partying with that guy. I'd last three months tops and be washed <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, I think that he's just got this. Um, I think if, if Red Bull athletes had existed then, he would have been a Red Bull athlete because he's just yeah. got that. He's, he had that persona um, mixed with natural talent that you can't, that you can't mold. Okay. I think he'd have been a really, really interesting character to work with. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, final thing, um, he, obviously, thank you very much for spending the time. I know you've got to shoot off very shortly. To, what a uni, to, uni call in yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I was very wary of the time that we've taken up. You know, it's now, now 45. So um, the opportunity here, like anyone you want to want to say thank you to, hi to, whatever, um, or even a screw you to, like <laughs> – now's your opportunity (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i can't think of anyone because um i mean i've sung out a few people this evening actually everyone from sai our partnerships executive to ainsley who does our digital content and stuff but um which is nice because usually if if we do podcasts you people only ever want to know about the drivers so i like being able to get to talk about more of the unsung heroes that make our world go round. Um, we, we prefer hearing about the other cool stuff. I mean, drivers are cool, but you know, when we talk to them, we like to hear about their other stuff as well. We don't just want yeah, to hear about. Yeah, I was um, stuff. I was standing <laughs> in the F one paddock over Grand Prix, catching up with um, with a mate, 
and and I was with Shane at the time and Shane spotted Max and went over and had a chat with Max and my friend who I was talking to Blake said oh do you need to go and talk to Max and I was like no I've never met him and he was like oh do you do you want to go and meet him and I was like no why would I want to go and meet him he's just a <laughs> and Blake was like I'm the first person I've ever heard say that kind of thing and I was like well there's a driver standing right there who I have to deal with every day and he's talking to another driver so <laughs> I just, yeah. just cut just t- I just run <laughs> I don't I don't need any more drivers in my vicinity right now thanks <laughs> it, it all is respect to all drivers <laughs> but sometimes they are the bane of my life life yeah we um uh, I, I get asked similar stuff you know i want to go over eastern that and you know like um you know the, you know you were there and oh like paul morris was there like did you go say hello no i was there working you know like you know unless there's some you know existing um relationship i guess you know um yeah like with nick Perkat, you know we'd met so many times before and you know like that was you know i mean i wouldn't have just turned around to him at that stage and gone oh nick you know what are you doing here sort of thing you know what he did to me but you know that's how you know i'm about to actually post on one of his posts where he's saying he's coming back to perth and i'm going to say something along the lines of i can't believe they've opened the borders for you lot to come over here (laughs) um you know and you know even like um um yeah other people will meet you know like even molly you know we'd had the chat with her on the podcast and you know, didn't go running up to her when saw her in person going, Molly, how you going? You know, like, still said hello, but, you know, it was not, you know, I think people expect, I don't know, I guess a certain level of fandom. Mm. Like, you know, Everyone's it's like, just people. Yeah, they're just people. Everyone is Everyone just people at the people. end of the day. They're cool people to talk with, you know, but, you know, if you, then it's not... You know, as much as like, you know, say like Brad Jones, one of the favorite episodes we did, you know, it's not someone I'm going to be going, oh, Brad, it's so good to meet you. And, you know, like that, it, that's just, yeah, not, not how I am. But there are a lot of people in motorsport that do still get that, you know, I want a selfie with this person. I want a selfie with that person. Although so, having said that, without fans, we wouldn't have a sport. So exactly. The fans, the fans are different to the people working in motorsport. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Thank you very much again. Um, probably will say hello to you while you're in Perth um, from over events, and I'll be like, hello. If bye. I look super stressed, it's probably because I've totally had a meltdown about how to be super two team manager. But that's okay. Okay, that's right. After so all the rides and everything, throw something at you, like some blocks of ice or something to come <laughs> down. Or... Some, some yeah. wine. Some wine. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. All right. Or well, hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully you get some time out. Yep. All right, thank you very much. Um, see you this weekend. Good luck to the team. Um, and we were going to say that to whoever we had on our 50th episode course, but um, we're very thankful that you came on and, of course, all everything aligned that made you our 50th guest. Thank you very much for having me. Greatly, I'm greatly honoured about being the big five zero. Fantastic. We'll catch you uh, next time. Thank you so much. See you over the weekend. Shane here from Behind the Sport. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you don't already follow us, head on over to Facebook and Instagram. Find us on there. Give us a follow. Or visit our website, behindthesport.net. Catch up with the latest motorsport news. Find all of our previous episodes. And, of course, you can leave us comments on those as well.
You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes and more. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.